0: Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hoppner with my co-hosts, Leslie Hoskins and Timothy Cugno. All right, you guys, I have a funny story to start us off today. This past weekend, I met up with friends for lunch at Blake's Orchard, and they have a little tasting room. And, um, you know, we were having lunch, and halfway through the lunch, I ran to the restroom and broke the zipper on my pants. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Okay, you guys. Now, when I say like we were halfway through lunch, like we weren't even, we were going to be there for like another hour and a half. And so I'm in the bathroom. My friend is also in the bathroom with me and I'm like trying to fix my zipper. And then our waitress walks out of one of the stalls and I was like, I'm sorry, I'm trying to fix my zipper. Uh-huh. And she tries to help. It was really a team effort and I appreciated all the help, but I just had to go back and do the whole Lunch with a broken zipper, my fly open. (laughs) Like, (laughs) literally, I'm not even joking. And so I had to, I couldn't hold my laughter in because I cannot hide when something embarrassing is happening. And so I ended up telling all my friends at the table. And you know what? They were very supportive. They laughed about it. And we, we got through the rest of it. But the funny part is, is afterwards we took a group picture. And the nice gentleman who was taking our picture took a candid shot when all of us were checking to make sure that my zipper was hidden so everyone was looking at my zipper in this the candid best shot photos. so you know i have a memory but i also have a picture to remind me of that moment it sounds like some supportive friends yeah Not so supportive of dear so i thought that would make you guys laugh that's pretty funny it made me laugh zippy <laughs> oh thanks now i have a new nickname <laughs>
1: That is pretty fun. But lunch was good. Otherwise, you had a great time. Yes. So I'm hoping you
0: guys, you know, since we've last talked, have had better experiences than me.
1: Yeah. I don't know what we've been doing lately. Very busy. Lots of things going on, it seems like. But I'm looking forward to, we kind of have like a long stretch of weekends coming up where there's nothing going on. So I'm looking forward to getting some house projects done, some cleaning, you know, all that really fun adulting stuff, if you will. Yes. Timothy, what have you been up to?
2: My weekend was okay. We got a little discriminated against yesterday at Red Lobster. Really? Uh, the, the lady saw Glacier, and she kind of – you can see the look in her eyes like, oh, my Lord, it's a dog. So she put us all the way in the back of the corner of the restaurant, and they there was nobody supposed to be seated back there because of the COVID stuff. And so we sat there for 15, 20 minutes. Nobody came around us. And then finally the manager came and apologized and said, there was nobody supposed to be back here. And I said, it's because of my dog. And sometimes that happens with, with the guide dogs. People will seat you in places in the restaurant. So you're just out of the way. So people, you know, don't overreact with the dog. So it was it was kind of upsetting. But other than that, we had a good dinner.
1: Were they able to turn it around and give you some good service after that?
2: Uh, uh Yeah, they turned it around. I got me some lot of shrimp, so.
1: Well, good, good. I'm glad they were able to fix the situation. I'm sorry that that happened to you. Yes. Okay. So, previously in our podcast, we have talked about the breeding program at Leader Dog, and that really is the starting point of our Leader Dog journey. So, naturally, our next step here is to talk about puppy raising. And we are really excited to discuss the first year of our puppies' lives and really the role that our volunteers take in the puppy raising process.
0: Yes, and we have a volunteer here with us today. Angie Wolney started in 2000 as a puppy raiser when she was a teacher in Birmingham and raised seven puppies until 2009. She took a break when her children were young and was excited to start raising again in 2019. And Tio is the current puppy who is here with us in the studio.
2: Angie, thanks for showing up today and I'm looking forward to hear your story about uh, being a puppy raiser, but first, can you tell us what is puppy raising?
3: Okay. Well, one of the reasons that we really wanted to be, well, I always wanted to be a puppy raiser, Um, but one of the great things about it is it's a volunteer job that I get to do every day. I don't have to think about where I'm going. It's something that I'm always doing, Um, so I don't have to like schedule something and try to fit something in in my busy schedule. I have three kids who all play travel hockey. Um, So this dog gets a lot of hockey experience. He gets to be in our busy life. He gets to do um, whatever it is we are doing. So throughout the more than 20 years that I've been a puppy raiser, all of my puppies have had different experiences. But it's always um, something busy, something that's going on with us, um, and it's something that you know changes for each dog. But then again, every puppy that we raise is different, too.
1: So our puppy raisers spend the first year of the dog's lives with the dog. And basically they're teaching um, house obedience, um, manners, uh, they're exposing the dog to a bunch of different things, so they're taking him to restaurants. They're taking him on planes, trains, and automobiles and all of that different stuff. But really trying to make the dog a good dog, somebody that you would want in your home. So they're you know, potty training and doing all of that fun stuff as well. So it's a lot of responsibility that these puppy raisers have. Um, and again, they have them that first year of life. But we didn't mention,
3: uh, can you tell us a little bit about Tio here? What kind of dog? Yeah, okay. Um, well, Tio is a um, six-month-old black Labrador retriever he's got a lot of personality. Um, you know, like I said, every puppy is, every puppy is different and he, um, has his challenges. I would say he's probably the chewiest puppy we've raised. Um, so, you know, they, you know, some come and they seem really easy. Um, you know, but he is very smart. This dog knows heel more than any, any dog I've had, even my older puppies. Um, but that doesn't stop him from grabbing socks. Um, so, you know, I have to be pretty vigilant with him. Um, you know, like You know, like um, Leslie just said, uh, it's a lot of uh, basic training. We do the socialization. We do the housebreaking. We've got housebreaking down to less than two weeks most of the time. Right. So, um, you know, and and then our house changes all the time. You know, our kids are different ages. um, Things we're doing are different. So they get a lot of exposure to, you know, the different amounts of busy
0: and before I came to Leader Dog, I didn't know how many puppy raisers we actually had as volunteers. And right now we have 387. So you are one of 387 <laughs> volunteers, which shows we really rely on our volunteers at Leader Dog to raise these puppies to become future Leader Dogs to, or to become Leader Dogs like Timothy has
3: with Glacier.
2: Yeah. So when you picked up Tio, did you name him or did uh, he come with that name?
3: Uh, we've gotten to name most of our puppies. so this is puppy number 10, and we found out that Tio actually means 10 in Swedish. I hope that's right. <laughs> um, but the internet said so. Um, so he is our tenth puppy. We also the, the first puppy that I raised with my children was Ocho, um, and he was our eighth puppy. Um, Then the the last puppy we raised, who's in training right now and ready to go with somebody as soon as he gets his match, was Louie. Louie came to me with a name, and I could have changed it, but he was already six months old. So um, Louie, number 20,001, kept his name, um, and we're just waiting for him to get a good match. Um, But we've named all of our puppies, and um, our first puppy was Owen. And all of our puppies since have had, that we've named, have had an O somewhere in their name. Or an O sound. Um, so nice. as a little tribute to our first puppy. Love that. And so.
0: there is a really cool story behind your first puppy, Owen. Can you
3: tell us a little bit about what Owen went on to do? Well, Owen was, um, I, I can't say I have favorites, but I definitely do. Owen was probably, <laughs> um, you know, our favorite puppy. He was... Um, and also at that time, puppies came a lot smaller. I think he was seven weeks old when we got him. He was probably eight pounds and very tiny and sleepy, and would sleep in a little bag on my shoulder sometimes. Oh. Um, but we raised him, and he was my perfect dog match. If you've ever had one of those dogs that seems to be the connection that you really make, um, Owen was my dog match. Um, but he went on and um, gra- actually got matched once, and that didn't work out. And then he got went back into training. Um, and was moved up to the DeafBlind program. And he was delivered to uh, Moira Shea in Washington, D.C., and, um, and he worked with her. Um, Moira was kind of a... Uh, well, Owen had some big paws to fill because <laughs> her first dog, um, Bo, um, was actually denied access to the Senate floor when she was working with Senator Wyden, um, and they denied her access to, um, to the floor to present as she was supposed to. And she thought she couldn't couldn't step down, and she stood up for that. And and Bo became um, a celebrity for for access and for ADA rights in the Senate. Um, so Owen replaced Bo um, and went on to to work with Moira for, for many years. And Moira called Owen her Mr. Perfect. So not only did I you know teach him all the basic skills he needed, and he came to school with me when I was teaching high school. Uh, But he went on to go to Harvard with her, and we went and watched them walk across the stage together, Um, and Moira called Owen her Mr. Perfect. Um, So we really taught him how to make a connection, not just with me when I thought he was my perfect match, but he went on to be her Mr. Perfect and her perfect match.
1: It's so crazy uh, to listen to all the stories about where these dogs end up. You know, our puppy raisers, again, spend that first year of their lives with them and have no idea if they're going to be in the U.S., if they're going to be out of this country, if they're going to be in schools every day on the Senate floor. Um, so is that one of the benefits, you would say, is kind of learning and listening and hearing where your puppies
3: all end up? Oh, it really means a lot to to hear back. And and we've gotten to make connection with uh, um, you know, quite a few of the people who have gotten our puppies, and Moira and I are still in contact, and, um, you know, I know what's going on with her life, and um, she was even so kind to give us a, um, a real gift of um, letting us come and house-sit and dog-sit house dog for her once when, when she still had Owen, when he was still alive, and, you know, that was such a gift to be able to reconnect with them and still have, um, you know, her and her husband Chris as, you know, as our friends. And, and that doesn't happen very often, so we've been really blessed, and especially since that was our first experience, uh, made it so much easier to let go of the puppies yeah. that we raised after. Absolutely, knowing they're in good hands.
2: Does the uh, puppy raisers have to live close to Leader Dogs Campus?
3: I know there, there are puppy raisers all over the place. They have to make the commitment to be able to, you know, get here, and they've got to um, still be in contact Um, But now with with um, Zoom calls, even I know that a lot of puppy raisers are are doing Zoom calls with their um, puppy counselors and sending in videos. Um, And I sometimes feel like even if I'm not at puppy class every week, I might even have more connection um, with with help and help. And puppy counselors than I did before yeah so I don't think distance is an issue I'm glad I live within an hour of leader dog so I can take advantage of the the vet clinic because otherwise then I would have to pay for that Um, so that is a real benefit
0: yes so um, like Angie said you don't have to live even live in Michigan we have puppies in multiple different states all over the country you do have to come and get that puppy from leader dog and come and return that puppy to leader dog but we have puppy counselors, and there are resources for you if you don't even live in Michigan. So you can live wherever and come and raise a future leader dog. And we have um, groups. So we have like 33 groups that you have a puppy counselor, that counselor is in charge of your group, can answer any questions for you. And we actually have 11 prisons that we work with. And we have a. Um, some of the prisons will raise a puppy for us as well. So there's a lot of different um, volunteer opportunities to raise a puppy as well.
1: And I always, I think it's funny that there's puppy classes. So these puppy counselors and our puppy raisers and our volunteers and everybody actually get together. Is it monthly, Angie, once a month to try to do a puppy class or maybe
3: used to be? It really depends on the um, the counselor. I know that Leader Dog used to have classes um, every other week, Um, but now the group I'm in has a class Almost every week. That's awesome. So.
1: so lots of support, not only from Leader Dog team members and staff, but also from other puppy raisers and volunteers um, in the community and great connection. So Angie did mention something interesting. So she lives within an hour radius of Leader Dog. So she actually brings her puppies into the Leader Dog campus to receive vet care from our vet department. Puppy raisers who don't live that close actually do provide the vet care themselves. So again, if we think about how thankful and lucky we are to have all of these volunteers and puppy raisers that live out of state that fly in to pick up a puppy and then fly back home, you know, and then cover the vet expenses as well during that first year. So it's Definitely a commitment, um, but I think everybody always says it is is well worth it. So thank you, Angie, first of all, for all the dedication that you
3: do. We do buy a lot of treats and dog food,
2: though. Yeah, I can imagine. So I take it that means you don't work for Leader Dog or get paid from Leader Dogs for the Blind?
3: Oh, no. No, this is all volunteer, so... I'll volunteer from us. You know, I have done some work for them before. In the past, uh, I am a photographer, so I've I've done a lot of the outings, and there are some pictures and, and some of the brochures and things from years past, but um, that was mostly ba- volunteer, too.
0: And I'm sure people wonder, okay, so you have this dog for a year. Can you not go on vacation? Can you not leave, you know, your home? Can you talk a little bit about, like, if you do go on a vacation, kind of what happens with um, the puppy you're raising?
3: Well, if you can't take your dog with you, um, there are all sorts of um, other puppy raisers who sometimes they're in between puppies and they would love to have a puppy come visit them. Um, we've been lucky to take our, um, our puppies with us almost every time we've gone. Um, before we had kids, my husband and I even took our puppies to, they, I think we've been to Disney World and Disneyland and they treated us, uh, we checked in ahead of time and they treated us so well um, and when we really got to see what kind of um um what kind of extra care they could give to somebody who who needed it with a dog in these places um so our dogs have gotten to fly they've been on trains they've been on boats they've um you know and i'm i'm pretty brave to take mine almost everywhere and i've had a little bit of background so i don't feel um very nervous about it so they've gotten a lot of good opportunities um lately i've heard a lot that it's, it's a little harder to fly Um, that they're making, they're changing some of those rules. But most of my dogs have gotten to fly and they sit underneath the seat just where you would put your bag underneath and they curl up and they go to sleep. Um, And we've had really good luck. And I think they've been really good ambassadors for the program.
0: That is awesome to hear. Um, Timothy, I know you travel with Glacier as well. Did you know that sometimes the puppy raisers do that before you even get a leader dog?
2: Oh, yeah. They uh, kind of tell us that they're kind of trained for it because they have to. And it was amazing when I got Glacier that uh, you could tell that she's done this before. And I found out from my puppy raisers that she flown two or three times that one year that they had her. So that that's great. I mean, she's familiar with it. So she's familiar with the noises and all the hustle and bustle of the airports and stuff. So it's a good thing that they've already experienced that.
0: That is awesome. And, you know, I'm sure people are like, oh my gosh, like, you know what to do. You know how this all works. I have no experience raising a puppy. Can I do it? So, Andy, can you talk about, did you know how to raise a puppy when you first started?
3: You know, I always had dogs growing up, but having um, a puppy every year <laughs> is is a little bit different. And I think I know so much more than if I had just raised a dog and then raised another dog 10 years later. The fact that we raised you know, seven dogs within, you know, less than 10 years. Um, plus, I also took in rehomes, which are dogs that needed to either needed special care or medication. Um, and so I, I probably had, you know, maybe 15 dogs during that time. Um, you know, it really taught me a lot more. And then the, also that just having the support network of the other puppy raisers and puppy counselors and someone to ask questions of all the time and being able to be in a class really, really made a big difference.
1: And so you took a little hiatus there uh, while your kids were young, totally understandable. well. We know how um, exhausting and overwhelming children are. I can't imagine throwing a puppy in the mix. But how do your kids enjoy uh, puppy raising? Is it difficult for them to understand the concept or do they really understand what they're giving and what they're doing?
3: Well, I think there was a little bit of learning that happened even before because we, um, so when my kids, um, when each of them came home from the hospital, they all got... Um, they all got greeted by our career change dog. So we had Winslow, so also has an O in his name. So Winslow was our um, dog that um, was just too, I think he was really just too friendly <laughs> to be a guide dog. <laughs> um, so, but he was a perfect fit for our family. Um, and we were worried that he had too much energy. But when the kids came home, he was perfect with them. So they knew, they knew Winslow, they knew his story. They knew he was supposed to be a guide dog. That was our plan. Um, and so they always knew about the dogs, and they also see all the pictures of all the, all of our dogs who have graduated, so they knew the story. Um, it's different when they'd have to return. I mean, picking up a puppy was easy, but they still had to learn how to be able to give one back. So when we brought um, Ocho back, you know, there were tears and hugs, and we did special pictures with him so that the kids would understand um, and then but we had also gotten Louie the week before. so they had someone to hug a little bit, and so Louie was off and running. When we brought Louie back, they were so worried. But the same day that we dropped Louie off at the front door, we walked around to the back door and we picked up, up um, Tio. Um, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of distraction. It is very hard to give them back. and people always ask me, "How do I do it? Um, and you know and it's not easy, but I say it's like sending your kid to college. Um, or sending your kid off into the world to go on and do bigger things. Um, And, you know, it wouldn't be a gift to somebody if it wasn't wasn't hard for me to do, then it wouldn't be such a gift that we're giving back.
0: Yes. And I loved how you explained it. It's like sending a kid off to, you know, kindergarten, college. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people (laughs) can relate to that. And you said career change. I just kind of want to explain that a little bit for people who don't know what that is. So that is a dog that Um, is raised to be a leader dog, but at some point they aren't capable or they don't want to work or whatever it may be. They may have a medical issue, that sort of stuff. So the puppy raiser gets first choice if they want to take that puppy back or not. And so you chose to take that puppy and make it your family home. So they're going to serve somebody no matter what, either it be a family or we give them sometimes to other organizations as well that they can use for emotional support and all of those types of things. And do you have any like favorite moments or funny moments from having any of your um, future leader dog puppies?
3: Oh my goodness. There's, there's <laughs> just so many. Um, well, it, it's not, it's not, well, I've got, it, I've got it, two things I'm thinking of. Um, Owen, our first dog, was in my classroom with me um, during 9-11. So he became the emotional support dog for my classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, And those kids who are, I guess, in their 30s now, or even, I'd have to do the math. But, um, you know, some of them I'm still friends with on Facebook, and they tell me what a difference that made, and they remember that year of school, Um, and they remember him being in the room, and they remember what a comfort he was. Um, And they also tell me that, you know, like my ninth graders say, it was so hard to come to school in in a new school and knowing that Owen was going to be there in the room made it so much easier for them. Um, I also had, this is a different story, um, Shamra, one of my favorite students who, um, had Down syndrome. Um, and she would come in smiling and happy every day. And there was one day, um, that same year that Owen was there. Um, and she walked up and she was just in tears. And this was my painting class. And she said that she was, uh, she was so sad and she had to go home. And I said, okay, we can call your mom. But I said, why don't you sit down and tell Owen first how upset you are? And she sat down and she took his baggy face in her hands and she put her forehead to her, his forehead and sat there for maybe a whole minute. And then she got up and I said, do you want me to call your mom? And she said, no, I'm okay now. And then she got back up and did, and did her job. And that was and ever, all the way through school after that, she called me Mrs. Owen. you know and that was so sweet but what a difference he made is to you know especially those special needs kids that were in my classroom um because you know he would just take the anxiety out of the room and he was just so good at that so
2: it's amazing what these dogs do they we've had hard times in our family and these dogs just absolutely just by looking at them just calms you down and they can sense things and and it's a great knowing that they're there and they're just awesome, and I want to thank Angie for being a puppy raiser because you guys have built the foundation for these dogs. Uh, you potty train them and give them what they're supposed to do out in public and stuff like that, and you give them that foundation so they can be trained on. And I personally, as a as a, a client, want to thank you, Angie, for doing that.
3: Oh, thanks. Well, Tio's still doing it. He comes to, to lunch. I help out at lunch at my kids' elementary school, and the kids just love him at Wine's. Um, So he's kind of a rock star and I don't, I, they probably don't know my name half the time, but when I get out of the car, they, (laughs) they yell (laughs) T.O. So,
0: and I love the story that you told about how not only is the dog going to help a client in the future, it's helping somebody almost every single day. Um, So, you know, your volunteer work goes way beyond leader dog some days. And I know Personally, I mean, I have my own dog and he is just, you know, you're having a bad day. You go pet your dog and your day's so much better because they're always happy to see you. So that's also such an amazing thing to point out that if you are a puppy raiser, you know, you get to train in public, in public environments. So some people take them to Walmart or Target or stores that allow you to train in them. So you could be making somebody's day
1: every single day by them just seeing your dog out working. I always think it's so funny. People always ask, like, aren't you worried about uh, technology and robotic dogs taking over and they're not needing, <laughs> you know, to be, honestly, we get this all the time about technology and not needing uh, guide dogs anymore. But the number one reason people get a guide dog, of course, is the companionship. It's nice to have a partner with you everywhere you go. Um, of course, they do stop you at curbs and guide you around obstacles. We know that. But that can also be done with a cane. Um, And so it's that companionship that these dogs really bring. And so it's not just from the puppy raiser and providing that and um, the people that you experience in the community. But, Timothy, can you talk a little bit about the companionship that you and Glacier have?
2: It's a big bond. She becomes part of you. And she gets to go everywhere I go. And I know she will always be there for me. And that is comforting to know that I will always be able to do what I need to do and where I need to go because my dog is there. And she just calms me down. Whenever I'm at the doctors, I'm a little nervous. I just sit there and pet on her. I'm the only one that gets to because get so everybody's jealous. But hey, I get to pet on my dog. <laughs> and she just relaxes me. And I know she loves me. And I love her to death. And I can't go anywhere without her. It's hard to do that.
1: Yes, I always think it's funny too. So uh team members at Leader Dog, if you work at Leader Dog, you can bring your personal pet to uh, to work as well. Because it's proven to reduce stress. And so nothing is better than being at work and you're having a bad day and just going and finding a dog that you can snuggle with, whether it's a future leader dog, a dog in (sighs) training, but typically just pet dogs that are around that you can just get some cuddles.
0: Yeah, and let me tell you, the first time I brought Duke into leader dog, he got like 20 treats that day, and I was like, well, (laughs) maybe I should not feed him tonight.
2: (laughs) I remember that. I remember all those dogs coming in with all these uh, trainers and stuff. I thought that was fascinating, all these dogs walking by, going into the office. It was cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, and they use them for training, too. So a lot of our personal dogs will be used for distractions or different things. I have a very small 5-pound uh named Mila. She's all black, and they often... What did they say all the time that they use her? She's twofold. She, they can use her for distraction work for dogs and squirrels.
0: <laughs> <Because> she's, so <laughs> she's so tiny.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh.
0: And, you know, uh, Angie, you know, hearing Timothy say how grateful he is to have Glacier, how does that make you feel as a puppy raiser to hear that from clients?
3: Well, that's the, the whole reason we do it. I mean, um, so thank you. <laughs> um it, it it really means it means everything. So when we find when we when we ever get a note back or a or a picture or a piece of mail or or anything it it it's it's such a it's such a it's such a big deal to us. You're a big piece of the puzzle. Leader dog would not function without
1: puppy raisers. We could not do it without all of our puppy raisers that we have out there training and working with our guide dogs. Um, and they're making all the impact in the world, as Timothy expressed, as many clients express. And a beautiful thing that comes of these relationships is a lot of times the clients and the puppy raisers kind of building this friendship and keeping in contact. I know clients that always like to hear about their dogs as puppies. And then of course our volunteers, our puppy raisers like to hear about you know what their dogs go off to do. Um, so it's just a beautiful connection all around.
0: Yes, and we are always looking for puppy raisers because sometimes puppies come in faster than volunteers do, which is very true because we had a lot of puppies in Leader Dog not too long ago. And so if you are interested in volunteering, you can head to leaderdog.org and look under the volunteer tab and puppy raising. We have orientations about once a month and that's online and you get to ask the team any question you want to learn about it, it's an open conversation that happens virtually so you can attend from anywhere in the country as well. So if you live somewhere else, another state, and want to be a puppy raiser, that's a great way to get your questions answered right from our team as well.
1: So maybe let's wrap up here, Angie, with what is your absolute favorite part of puppy raising?
3: Oh my goodness. Um <laughs> Well, you know, I really love that that I can share them. I can share them with everybody, and it's not something that I volunteer to do just by myself. Um, you know, the the kids at school that I get to visit, the people on the street, I get to be I get to be an ambassador. I get to take pictures of them. I get to do all of the fun things, and I and I get to be um, meeting new people all the time um, and teaching. Since I'm not in the classroom right now, I'm still getting to teach. Um, adults and children all the time about how great it is to have a guide dog absolutely well thank you
1: Angie and thank you to all of our puppy raisers we truly are so lucky uh, to have you and thank you to our listeners for listening to Taking the Lead podcast. Again, I'm your host, Leslie Hoskins, with co-hosts Christina Hepner and Timothy Cunio. We hope you enjoyed our episode today. Please continue listening and look forward to next week where we dive a little bit more into the world of blindness.
0: Yes. And if you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and you can find us wherever podcasts free.